Welcome to the Weekend Warriors Fishing Podcast, presented by 13 Fishing Canada. Make your own luck. We're here to scratch that angling itch and talk everything fishing. Join us as we sit down with special guests from across the industry. Now, here's your hosts, Brandon Cater and Logan Lewis. It's ice season, baby. Yes, it is. Stay tuned for uh, for uh, maybe some new apparel coming uh, regarding that. But no, it's it's early ice here. It's, I think you can officially say, well, I mean, some place has been going for two weeks now pretty well, being November 24th yeah. now it seems like. But I would say for the most part, uh, except for the exception of obviously Deef and I think some of Last Mountain around here, things, uh, things seem to be locking up nicely. Um, I have made it out a couple times. I've been pretty occupied with filling my whitetail tag um, now that it opened up on the... I don't even know what day it opened up. Been out one weekend, so I think it opened up on the 12th maybe if I'm not mistaken, but uh, I don't know. Should be a good time. I'm excited. We have uh, the new live scope to try out, right? You've been, you just unboxed that? Yes, sir. She's all ready to go. She's just waiting to uh, to get put in the water so yeah no i mean i think i'm gonna try to get out on sunday i know some guys have been pushing the limits a little bit um you know getting to areas that maybe aren't normally locked up at this time of the year but i think last year i was on the ice november 27th and i'm hoping to be on the ice again november 27th for this season so um super excited to get out there my goodness it's uh the hype is real seeing a lot of stories and you know, there's been, you know, there's been some YouTube videos and stuff already. Um, lots of big fish being caught. So definitely, you know, we always have to mention, take precaution, be safe, you know, keep, use the head on your shoulders, be smart. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to get out there. It's going to be, it's going to be wicked. And I mean, like you mentioned, Live Scope Plus I'm yeah. hoping it'll be a treat. I mean, it's it honestly right. You're watching YouTube, watching YouTube videos and stuff, and it's like playing a video game, basically, um, live action. Um, hopefully, we can get on some fish and really just kick off the ice season in a, in a pretty strong way. Yeah, I know. Uh, I guess we may as well mention right now our guest for the episode, uh, Jamie Bruce. He was part of the uh, peer pressure there for us to purchase this. Uh, LiveScope Plus there. He was uh hang met him in person, I guess, at the at the Winnipeg Ice Show and and he was there around the area when we did purchase that uh that LiveScope bundle, but he said we wouldn't be disappointed. So personal guarantee from Jamie there. But uh before we get into that episode, or I guess that interview, gotta mention our sponsors. Um obviously presenting sponsor 13 Fishing. You see it everywhere. We're getting into early ice here, big season for them. Um I mean that's a pretty common name now in the in the ice fishing as far as what I definitely what I see out in Sask here and I know they're coming up with a lot of a lot of good rods, reels, stuff like that for ice fishing. Um, I know I've converted some of my summer reels actually from 13 into uh, some of my ice fishing setups. Kind of nice that you can switch them back and forth because that's not always the case with uh, with some of your spinning setups. So um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything else to say there, Brandon. I mean, head to 13fishing.ca or Pella.ca and save yourself 15% off. I know a lot of guys are buying, uh, suits, rods, reels, baits, you know, what have you. If you, even if you're in the market for a new strike master auger, I know it's black Friday coming up here. Um, there's going to be sales at a lot of other retailers. Um, but 
really you can get 15% off all year long. Um, basically black black Friday sales whenever you want, when you visit repella.ca. So, um, yeah, I mean, Saskatchewan wildlife Federation, a lot of big fish being caught early ice, download the app, um, for the master angler program for Saskatchewan and submit those catches. Um, you'll receive, you know, a certificate, some pins. Um, I think they're even sending out some master angler, uh, rulers for measuring fish. So yeah, anyone who reaches bronze um, tier, right? Yeah, yeah, they're sending out some some measuring uh, boards. So definitely download the app, take advantage of that. Um, we're, you know, we have such great fisheries here. It'd be a shame if um, if this master angler program that they've worked so hard to put together um, isn't used. So uh, make sure that you're downloading the app and submitting those big fish. It's it's pretty crazy the amount of big fish that are already getting caught. So yeah, definitely a good time of year for it. And I guess speaking of Black Friday, we got Blackfish gear. Um, once again, I'll still, I've been running it out hunting. Uh, they're orange. I know it's not exactly blaze orange, but I've been running the orange and gray uh, pullover while I'm hunting with my orange vest over top of that. So uh, that's been really good. Um, I'll also be running my black pullover while I'm out on early ice. Um, sometimes it's actually crazy. Like this, the day this episode's released, it's supposed to be like plus 10. Um, it should be should be fine for the ice, but that's going to be a a pretty pretty warm day out there so you don't want to be bundled up in your entire snowsuit right so um definitely definitely good for that and waterproof socks i've also been uh been running those and they're quite quite nice as well just in case your feet do get a little little soupy out there with some of the slush we run into or stuff like that so yeah so head on down to our show notes below i know that blackfish um they reached out to us and let us know that their shipping to canada was on halt for a little bit um Go check it out. It's supposed to be back up and running shortly. Um, they were just trying to figure out some stuff with duty and shipping and whatnot. So we've had about five or six people reach out to us trying to place blackfish orders using our code. Um, just be patient. Uh, once that's up and running, you can use our code. It's 25% off. Massive savings on some really, really quality gear. Yeah. And uh, I guess early ice means we're getting closer to Christmas, a month away Uh from Christmas Day on this release, so definitely a good time to be checking out Lucky Bastard Distillers. Uh, obviously, booze big thing there in the around Christmas time, getting together with family. So uh, why not head over to their website, order some of it, uh, save save ten percent with our code, right? Like that's gonna it's gonna help in the long run. I know uh, I know the booze definitely gets flowing around there in Christmas time. So I guess without further ado, we'll have the little audio here from Lucky Bastard Distillers, and I think we'll hop right into the episode with Jamie Bruce. There are certain moments in life that really stick with you. This is definitely one of them. The thrill of the deal, my friends, is not a myth. Prohibition is over, Saskatchewan. Ask about LB's legendary Birmingham's Dill Pickle Vodka. After all, it's not a party until someone pulls out the pickle. Tours and tastings available. Call or stop by 814 47th Street East. And tonight, why not mix your Caesar with some lucky bastard? It's the one with the pickle in it. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. We have the man the myth the legend jamie bruce we were uh, fortunate enough to meet this uh this young buck at the winnipeg ice ice fishing show and uh, he was happy enough to sit down with us and talk some fishing so we are super excited to have you you're a tournament angler you're a content creator what else you got going on 
Well, first of all, it's the first time I've been called a young buck by someone nine years younger than me, especially <laughs> now since I have a bunch of gray hair now. Um, but I'll take that. Uh, what did you say? I'm a tournament angler. What else? I missed the, I wasn't really paying attention. I was hung up on the young buck line. Content creator. No, that's all right. I mean, you're, uh, you're a tournament angler, fishing content creator, partner at BT Fishing Tackle, whatever the heck that is. And, yeah. uh, you are the fourth fastest walleye filleter at the Winnipeg Ice Fishing Show. No, I'm the single fastest walleye filleter at the Winnipeg Ice <laughs> Fishing Show. I will give you that. <laughs> If you don't count penalties. No, no. I lost the initial derby, but the second day, the lake to plate, uh, there was a, there was a re-derby on, on the filet contest. And while I didn't get the trophy, I got the 33 seconds. So oh, okay. oh, shit. Drag on your research next time. I'll give you that one. You guys yeah. are stuck nah. in the snowstorm on your way back. Yeah, we, so. were, we were, we were gonzo already. We didn't stick around to, to watch the slow mitts try take her, take, <laughs> take the fillets off that fish again yeah <laughs> yeah no i mean you pretty much covered it all um just kind of uh a guy that you know started from pretty much nothing in the fishing world and and kind of been grinding my way up through every every facet and getting my hands into everything i think they call it a jack of all trades master of none uh fishing version of that yeah well even even when you say jack of all trades like how 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 many minutes before the first field and competition did you sign up for that? Like I saw you, you went and bought a knife and we're opening it up at the Lake of the Woods booth, right? Yeah. I, uh, I went on Instagram and was chirping Daniel Stagg a couple of days before. So <laughs> I had a little bit of notice, but I hadn't cleaned a walleye in a while. Oh, Those okay. guys are pretty quick. It was intimidating. Like, like I was shaking like a leaf when I got up there. <laughs> well, I, was I, imagine. I mean, couple hundred you know a few hundred people watching you you know take a knife to a fish as fast as you can without losing a finger it's it's quite the task so i mean good good on you for even getting through that i would have probably just shaken the knife out of my hand it's so nervous oh yeah bud and there was a dj they had dj fillet on the go like <laughs> that's true the two, there was more people at the fillet contest than there there were at all of the seminars combined yeah and i but guess it was hype yeah yeah we actually went looking for i texted uh eric labupa the the guy that puts on the show um you know i texted him after a few sociables that night and i was like because he's like he's the hottest dj in the city yeah and i was like well where is he uh you know i texted him at midnight he's like he's at the exchange district so uh we uh we hopped in a cab we struck out on the first bar that he said he was at Hopped in a cab, went and tried to track him down at the the next one. It was like a nightclub full of twenty year olds. Um, he wasn't there, so wild goose chase <laughs> for uh, for DJ Fillet. I was actually with a couple of Saskatchewan guys for that one. Couple of your uh, your local local beauties. Yeah, that. Uh, oh no! Oh no! Who is that? Uh, Sweet Lou and Adam Crawford. Oh yeah, we yeah. Talking, Sweet Lou. We talked to them both. And, yeah, yeah, Lou's a great guy. It was the first time I got a chance to meet him and. The guy's a hammer. He, uh, him and his partner went a lot of, a lot of tournaments around, around here and just even, uh, as good of a guy, if not better than he is an angler. So. Yeah. 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 Really modest too. And like I had to pry out of him to kind of get his, his stats and yeah, they're pretty impressive on, yeah. on both of them. Well, so. I think I, I watched your, cause you have a podcast as well on your, on your fishing YouTube channel there. And I think you said that on your episode after being there right like it's hard to most guys be like yeah i did this 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 and and those boys didn't really want to talk about it too much right 
No, they just kept asking me questions about this and that. And, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And yeah. They didn't want to talk about their accolades. Yeah. We won a couple there and then Adams had big fish quite a few times in, in the recent tournaments. So, I mean, they, they definitely, they definitely know how to fish. I know we talked to, to Lou there near the end, I think it was while they were setting up for the, the showing of the first episodes there of the game of inches. And he's like, man, I didn't start walleye fishing until six years ago. And we're like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> how does that even manage? And, and he was just uh, talking about his obviously live scopes and game changer too. And, and stuff like that. It was, it was funny hearing his story. Cause he's like, I just, I just dig into something. I just watched a ton of YouTube and all this stuff. And I was like, that sounds like modern day fishing, especially someone who's going to be great at tournaments too. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It's a cool story. He probably he probably buckled down and found like a Jamie Bruce channel and just like binged all of that content and learned so much from a guy like Jamie Bruce. No, our fish are stupid if you try to do what <laughs> what we do to catch them like unpressured like oh mind you, they're probably even more dumb in Saskatchewan. What am I talking about? <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, easy, come on. easy. Come on, I've watched I've watched enough Saskatchewan videos to know the pressure is limited and the fishing is looks pretty damn good to me. I guess doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah, but. no, and I, I guess that's one thing. Like I've I've ventured into Manitoba a bit, and anything that I've gone out west as far as Alberta and stuff has been fly fishing. So I really only know the kind of pressure that we see at Deef and in Last Mountain, and then I guess at, at Buffalo Pound here, just because we're right kind of by Saskatoon, Regina, and Moose Jaw. But um, yeah. I guess what's it, what's it kind of looking like for pressure out by you? Like, is it just, like, stupid? Or, like, as I heard, like, I know the Red River when the walleye are running, the guy said it's basically you can jump boat to boat. Um, like, are you seeing lots of boats when you're out in a boat? No, not really. Um, you know, I'm a couple hours from, from the Red River and from Lake Winnipeg and all that, so we don't really have to deal with that. We just kind of get the stragglers. Um, you can pretty much fish by yourself every day and be successful if you want to. So kind of, kind of in the sweet spot for that. We've got the rainy river. That's also a zoo. Um, you know, in the South end of Lake of the woods is a zoo, like little mini ice villages out there, but no, where I'm at in Kenora, it's, uh, it's pretty tame. It's good. Is that, uh, is that something in the water there? Like we've got. So like a handful of the guests we've interviewed, like you guys must be neighbors or something out there. Like it's, there's, it's crazy how many people are coming out of Kenora. Yeah. I talk about this a lot. Um, especially from the competitive side. Um, I think what it is, is just kind of like a, a rich history of, of tournament fishing. Um, you know, we're, we're the only place in North America that has open three day bass tournaments. Like that doesn't exist anywhere else. Uh, big mega fields. Um, so, I mean, that's why you get guys like Gussie and, uh, Ted Stooner, Alex has all these, all these, you know, hammers from this area. Um, and it just raises the bar of, you know, kind of everyone around you. So there are people like uh, Pizer, who's not a competitive fisherman, um, but he's just, you know, the area just offers a lot of good fishing. So with that comes the, you know, comes the media, comes the fishing shows. So, uh, we've kind of been lucky here, you know, where the lenders will come here and show, uh, show a new technique or something like that, you know, back in the day. So, mm-hmm. and then there's so many fish around here, you can just put it to work right away. So, uh, all of that combined has kind of, you know, it's the reason that, uh, there's a, a lot of successful anglers from a really small kind of catchment area yeah yeah for sure and i think 
kind of leading off of that, you mentioned at the start here how you kind of, as far as in the fishing scene, fishing world kind of started from from nothing and working your way up. Like, how did how did you get yourself started? Is it just randomly being like, I'm going to hop in this tournament or just getting to know people or what's it look like? No, I mean, when I, like, uh, you're always around water here and always have the opportunity to fish. So I was always fishing from a young age and, uh, you know, just kind of around high school, I was doing like the regular high school sports and that, and, uh, just wasn't really into it that much. You know, I was, I'm six, six. So I was on playing basketball and volleyball. I was just like a big tall pylon, like <laughs> no good would get some points just cause I was taller than the other yeah. kids. Um, but yeah, I actually hit a point, uh, hit a snag, like in the family and everything where it got, you know, times got so tough. It was like, didn't even play sports anymore. And just fishing was always accessible and always there. Um, and you could pretty much do it for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was always into it, always liked it. Um, never had any aspirations of like competing or anything like that. I just liked it. So I pretty much just threw myself at it, like had a, had a, you know, junk boat here, a junk boat there, like not reliable at all. Um, and just kind of, you know, grinded on it, like had a, a trolling motor and a 14 foot boat on like this little two mile, um, two mile long lake that was full of bass and like did that for a whole year, mm-hmm. every single day, pretty much. And just, uh, realized that you could start, you know, hopping into some of these tournaments, hopped into a couple tournaments, just got stepped on, but like loved it so much. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just kept throwing myself at it, got, you know, went to school, got a, got a job. I, I was like, I got to go get a good job so I can keep fishing. Like, yeah. you know, that's yeah. all I want to do. And, um, yeah, man, just, just kept going, finished school, went and guided for a couple of years. Uh, then I, then I guided on my own and, and worked part time and just kind of had been doing that for a while. Uh, then I, you know, like mid mid to late twenties started taking my career a little bit more serious was like, okay, you know, buy a house, build a camp, get married, all that stuff. And, uh, I was like, okay, this should kind you know, probably start to fade. Like, you know, cause I was fishing like any time that it was light out and I was off, I'd be fishing. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that was just it. Ice fishing didn't matter. Walleyes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, uh, I was lucky enough to, to meet a buddy, Brian Gustafson back in the day, and he was as into it as I was. So we signed up for all these tournaments, you know, kind of threw everything at that, uh, won the KBI in 2014. So we were like in our mid twenties, uh, that same year did a fishing show with Bob Azumi. I was like, oh, this is the, this is the top, you know, top pillar. This is as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yep, made her. Um, and then, you know, how like, but all my buddies started to settle down a little bit. I was like, okay, you know, we'll just settle down and, uh, and I can hang my hat on that. That's, you know, pretty good run better than I ever expected was never planning on being in, in tournaments or, or on the media side or anything like that. And, uh, just was like, okay, I started to slow it down. Uh, term tournament results started to like fizzle a little bit. Cause you know, focus is going elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and my wife and I actually hit a little bit of a, a snag on the, on the family front. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> um, you know, not, not a real fun time. Um, and I was like, okay, well, that's, that's a wrench in the plans. I got to change it up here. I need, you know, need to find a way to, to have a, another income to, 
pay for some of this stuff. And then I've got all this time that I'm not going to be spending in the conventional method. So I was like, I'll just take every spare minute I have and throw it at fishing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started doing that in, in kind of my late twenties, early thirties, um, 33 now. So it's all pretty recent. And, uh, you know, it started going like really well, um, started turning a, a good profit every year on tournaments. Uh, you know, sponsors started coming along, things like that. I uh, didn't really have to guide anymore. Could kind of just focus on the on the tournament game. Kept rolling, and uh, I think it was in 2021. I hit uh, it. All just kind of came together and hit one of those dream seasons. Won four tournaments. A uh, bunch of them were with my wife, so it was just awesome. Oh, nice! You know, a couple seconds and thirds, and like pretty a, a dream season. So I was yeah. like, all right, let's uh, let's keep rolling with this. Uh, and you know, during that time, I started my YouTube channel too, just because it's like you know, if you pay attention to the industry, you're not you're not going to grow, you're not going to go anywhere. No one's really going to pay attention or or help you along if they can't find you. So that's kind of you know was my edge on that, and I just had fun making content. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just just kept rocking. I was like, okay, the Bassmaster Opens were an option had been down south with uh, Gussie before, just kind of coattailing along as a co-angler. I was like, okay, well, this is, you know, this is my shot. So I uh, I signed up, and it's so competitive to try to get into the Opens. They, they used to have three divisions of three different tournaments. So I signed up, you know, had saved enough money up from, like, tournaments the year before, was pretty much willing to just vaporize 15 grand just for the experience. Cause yeah. it costs like five grand a tournament. Yeah. Um, yeah. all said and done. So I signed up, hit a snag with my, uh, uh, Canadian credit card. They could, they couldn't process it. Oh. So like, you know, it's like trying to win a radio show to try to get on this damn thing. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, I got like three computers open, just hit, hammering on refresh and it's not working. I was like, okay, well I'm done. Uh, and like half an hour later, I get a call from, uh, my credit card company. They're like, Oh, good news. We stopped, uh, credit card fraud in Alabama. Yeah. You're like, F you. <laughs> and, and someone was trying to steal 5,400 bucks from you. And they were all proud. I was just like, Oh, you ruined my life. I'm changing so, cards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It's not like the points were pretty brutal too, from this particular card. So yeah. Um, yeah, easy decision there, but <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh my God. So I knew I got in way late. I knew how competitive it is to get in. And, uh, I, I get the message. I'm 38th on the waiting list. I'm like, okay, well that's, you know, this was like my only chance at the dream. Uh, the schedule was lining up. I had the time off work. I had the money, uh, you know, had the, the new boat, the new truck and was ready to go. And no 38th on the list. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. And I just, whatever kind of life went on. And two weeks before the second stop of the bass open, um, I got a call and they were like, yeah, you're off the waiting list. Cause what happens is everyone that signs up for, for the three tournaments, if you, if you flop in the first one, you're not going to qualify for the elite series. So they just, okay. they just eat their deposits. The deposit's 800 bucks, but they save all that travel expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they save all the time and everything like that. So they'll just eat it and drop out. You know, if, if you're not going to make it, they essentially quit. Yeah. So, so yeah, enough people did that. And I was high enough on the waiting list that I got to hop in. I was like, okay, like pressure's off. I can't make the elites. You have to fish all three to, to qualify. Um, so I just went down there for fun, 
and like the experience, you know, you get in these opens, they're a mix of, uh, of, they have like some of the best in the world, like the angler of the year this year, Brandon pa- uh, Palinick, uh, Gerald Swindle was down there, just a bunch of, uh, a bunch of the world's best all mixed in with kind of the up and comers and mm-hmm. whoever else are massive fields, 225 boats. Uh, so I went down there to Tennessee, never been there before. And it just kind of lined up to where it suited my style. Uh, so I ended up getting third there. Um, wow. I was like, okay, like that was, you know, pretty lucky. It suited my style, whatever, kind of a one-off, you know, dr- the dream trip. Um, so I was like, all right, well, let's try that again. So I went back down and in October, just a few weeks ago here, I went back down to Lake Hartwell, same story, never been there before, uh, never been anywhere near it and ended up with a top 20 there. So I was like, okay, this is a, you know, yeah, kind of still, you know, still fit my style. Like didn't really have to go too off the wall to catch them. Um, but just kind of, uh, it was enough of, a of a start to, you know, get a, a few sponsors to pay a little bit more attention, uh, give myself the, you know, enough confidence. So now next year I'm doing, uh, the entire tour of the Bassmaster Elite qualifiers. Nice. So it's nine Hell tournaments. Yeah. Starts uh, starts first week of March. It's going to be busy. Yeah. So I know when we had Gussie on, we kind of talked about a little bit about all those different stages that you have to go through to to eventually end up in that in that top series of tournaments. Like, but like, is it uh, like for us? It's so different here. Like as far as in Saskatchewan, you just if if you're able to if there's a place available like there's no qualifiers and stuff like that right for the walleye terms and yeah. stuff you just go into it so like i guess if for someone who knows nothing about it could you dumb that down to make the most sense is how you end up in that in that top series um no <laughs> <laughs> no to be honest uh, anything okay, so i'm, I'm say not is, the only one yeah <laughs> I'm just going to complicate it more. Yeah. Um, so, oh man, you used to, like I said, I signed up for a, a division of three Yeah. and that's, you only used to have to sign up for three and the top three out of those, uh, would go, but they changed it this year to make you fish all nine of these qualifying events to make it. Oh, okay. Uh, which, okay. you know, pretty much takes it out of the hand, hands of the, of the working man. Um, I'm trying to prove that wrong. Cause I, you know, I work 40 hours a week and. I'm using every stitch of vacation day I've ever had. And then some, Yeah. um, so, you know, to, to qualify that way. Uh, but there's been so many changes in the, in the competitive fishing world down there. Um, there was a, a big tour MLF bass pro tour pretty much went to the elite series and poached, um, the top 80 of all the world's best anglers. Okay. Uh, from, from Bassmaster offered him a bunch of money brought him over to this tour and then uh they had you know Bassmasters like well we got to fill all these spots so they uh they pulled a bunch from the opens that were going on they they moved the threshold there and then they went over to FLW and got a bunch of the best guys from there okay so that's how uh that's how like the Johnstons and Gussie they were all you know they were all killing it on the FLW tour um so they they pulled them over there and that's how they're in um and you know, no one deserves it as much as those guys. So yeah. it's pre- it's sweet to have them in there. Um, but now, like this this Bass Pro Tour that offered all the money and did all the poaching, uh, not that many people like watching it. 
uh, all the personality and, and, uh, a lot of the better anglers are at Bassmaster. So, uh, there's a lot of people trying to fight their way back, um, to Bassmaster and you have to do that through the opens. Okay. So that's why, yep. you know, this year we're going to have guys like Ish Monroe. I'm sure you heard of him. He's like a, uh, you know, absolute top level competitor. He's, he's trying to requalify a guy named Bobby Lane. He's trying to requalify. So they all have to go back through this, yep. this grueling qualifying process. So you got some sticks so, coming through there. So that's basically, yeah. is, if you want to put this into golf terms, it's almost like live in the PGA in a sense of that's what exactly did. what happened yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's just the people that live are hundreds of millions <laughs> and millions of dollars but i mean i think yeah i think phil mickelson was the highest paid athlete in 2022 because of that yeah. right i could see yeah that. it was compared i mean it was compared to that a lot yeah because it was it kind of all happened at the same time and yeah um yeah i mean it's in any other sport you'd never really expect to see it like the only comparator in, in pro sports would be like when that, when Vince McMahon tried to start that XFL. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> That's been just a long drawn out process too. And that was just a joke. Like it carried no weight. Yeah. Um, but you know, in live and, and in Bass Pro Tour, they were successful in, in doing some good poaching. Yeah, exactly. So is, as far as you said, the, to- so the top nine come out of those, those nine, right? Those qualifiers. Yeah. So, uh, so 250. So, yeah. Nine out of, so, out do they replace nine people that they're qualifying for, or how does that work? Uh, eventually, yeah. Okay. Um, because it's still kind of in a rebuilding state. Uh, the guys on Bassmaster have got a lot of breaks the last few years. Okay. And then there was the COVID thing. So, there are breaks for that. But, yeah, uh, pretty much the top, the top 10% from the opens in the bass nation will replace the bottom 10 percent on the elites okay so yeah i guess with going back way to near the start of your story when you talked about winning the kbi um what's that kind of look like as far as kind of being somewhat newer to things and then you win that like you got a lot of companies coming to you you got a lot of people coming to you like does that just instantly like shoot you up as far as the fishing scene or is it kind of like, Oh, it was one tournament. Like, I know it's a big tournament, but. Um, yeah, no, not really. Like I, I got a lot of, you know, I got plenty of credit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, there was no, like, there were no like companies lining up ready to, no one, no one <laughs> to give you a hundred. Is that you? No. And yeah. And honestly, um, pretty much. Yeah. It was, was, kind of on my own as far as sponsors went until I started like the, the YouTube and, and podcasts and, and everything like that, um, kind of just generated, uh, income, you know, uh, through tournaments. And that was, that was good enough. Um, you know, I mentioned Brian was my tournament partner forever. We still fish KBI together. Uh, he owns Lake of the Woods sports headquarters. So, you know, he'd always help me out along the way and, and there was some help that way, but, um, yeah, as far as like procuring sponsors to fish these top level events, like last year was, uh, was on my own dime. So, you know, kind of put that, put, you put invest in yourself a little bit and, you know, this year it's, it's working out a lot better. Um, you know, getting a lot of support from all the, all the kind of product sponsors that I've had along the way, yeah. uh, have really stepped it up, uh, you know, uh, 13 and, uh, and Rapala, VMC, all that, you know, they've really stepped in 
uh, cause you are, you know, you're not doing this without, without help. So, you know, I got to shout out Sims and, and Z man and Nordic point lodge, uh, Lund WSL, like all, you know, there's, there's so many that go into it now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard not to take it for granted when you start getting boxes of tackle show up and, and everything yeah. like that. But, yeah. uh, you don't have to think very far back to remember when you, you know, had to grind it out and, and, uh, watch out for Pike cause you had to buy all the stuff. Oh, so yeah. that's, <laughs> that's we have like, we have one smally like that's accessible now in Sask and it's just littered with like two, three pounder Pike as well. And I like, toss it in Ned rig or something like that. And it's just like little, little ticks, little ticks just little jigs or whatever. And then it's just gone. I was like, are you serious? Like, I don't got, I don't got the kind of stuff coming in to be doing this, especially when I've kayaked or paddleboard out there. Cause it's a hike and lake and stuff. I'm like, this isn't worth it. So I know what you mean with the, with the pike, but I do have to say, uh, when you talk about Z man's there, like obviously no, this is 13, 13 podcasts and stuff like that. But, um, I saw Z man's really in action for the first time up in the territories guiding this, uh, this spring. And it was actually ridiculous. The, uh, the strength that they have strength yeah. yeah like zach shows yeah. in those videos but like we're talking like huge pike even even lakers taking them and stuff and um it was just ridiculous what what they'd go through and and how they could stretch and they like these guys they would change colors just because they thought that that mattered when i mean really you're sight fishing pike five feet from the boat if it's gonna eat it's gonna eat but um it was like it was just ridiculous like none of them none of them got destroyed i even they would they would think they were destroyed and i i had a pack of like 12 z-mans by the time those guests were gone i was like sick these are still good to go and they just wanted me to throw them out and i was like why would i right like just a a crazy product yeah yeah i uh i was using those like way back when um before all the all the walls were blue and in the tackle stores and actually met the uh the president of the company when i was young um and he saw that I had like all Z-Man baits on my deck back before they were even really selling them. Like Brian had a couple in the tackle store mm-hmm. and I think we were still ordering them back then. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, I, I haven't really looked back from that. So that's, uh, it's been cool to watch that company grow. And then, um, you know, seeing the 13 come into, come into the Canadian side and this was my first year running them. And I was like, Oh, these were, you know, kind of sleeper rods that I never really heard about before. And yep. I started digging through the models. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> there's some merit to this, especially on the, uh, you know, without having to spend a thousand dollars on a combo. Yeah. Obviously you can do that with any company, but like I said, like when I was, you know, younger and coming up, it's like buying that amount of gear was just never a, a reality. Um, and I, I still don't like my favorite rod, uh, right now is the Omen full grip spinning rod. It's like 150 bucks. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm fishing these massive tournaments with a $150 rod, which, uh, which a lot of people would kind of t- turn their nose at just looking at the price tag when I picked it up. I was like, this yeah. thing is a weapon. So yeah. Um, pretty, <laughs> a lot of these brands are, uh. I'm looking at them because they're they're cost effective for when you're starting out. Like a Z-Man, yes. you can use one pack all day, and <laughs> uh, you know on the 13 side, you don't uh, you don't have to break the bank and wrap a lot of hard baits too. I'm not trying to turn into a commercial here, but yeah. there's a lot of kids these days that think you have to spend thirty dollars on a Japanese jerk bait, and that's just not the case. Yeah, um, yeah. the Shadow Wrap Deep down south is 
is kind of a secret down there. It's one of the best kept secrets. No one from the South is listening to this, hopefully. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's a $10 jerk bait. That's, uh, that's doing some serious damage. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's good. To have that. I think that's the thing that like, like I said, it's, I feel like it's so much different out here in Saskatchewan than when you had yeast and stuff like that or down South that like for us pre well, everyone is running some sort of Rapala <laughs> product as far as what they're using, if they're using artificials and it's just, it's crazy how much you see it, but then we'll see like, yeah, like a jerker crank 10 to $15. And that's like the highest price point that we see out here. But then when you get talking about, I'm sure in the bass scene, it's ridiculous what you can find for some of the, the lures and stuff like that. Yeah. You can spend as much as you want and people do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to dig deep into your pockets if you want to buy like 10 lures. Yeah. But the difference is there's no pike down there. I you guess. don't really lose anything. Yeah, it's Fair just enough. a like snag. There's, there's lots of timber and there's like gar and some chain pickerel, but you're not getting bit off like crazy like you are yeah. up here. And yeah, that's what frickin I uh, gar. I wouldn't want to mess with a gar, <laughs> but that's alligator gar are freaking sweet. Yeah, they're cool. They're pretty like docile too. They don't really mess with your stuff that bad. No. They just no. kind of like jump around on the surface. See, and that's I didn't realize yeah. that they didn't have the pike as much because I always wondered when you watch the YouTubers, like when you'd watch John or Parrick and stuff and it's like why do they never have pliers it's like yeah I get it with the bass but then they'd catch they'd be using like a, a jerk bait with three trebles and it's like they're taking it out of a pike's mouth with their hand I'm like oh my god and of course eventually ends up in their hand but I was like you're just asking for trouble but that makes more sense oh yeah it's well, painful a YouTuber in the states and they catch like a 28 inch pike and they're just losing their mind like it's a huge huge fish <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a different game on the pike front. Like, I'll be watching some of these Bassmaster tournaments where all these southern boys come up to, like, um, the Mississippi River in Wisconsin and Minnesota where there's a bunch of pike, and they'll, like, you know, they'll hook one on a crankbait, and I'll boat flip it onto the deck of their boat with treble hooks <laughs> yeah. and just let it flop around their feet like a, you know, like, just clueless. I'm looking, like, pulling my hair out. Yeah. No, it's not how you do her, bud. Yeah, exactly. You're lucky so. if you even boat flip that, if the teeth don't pick up on that line. And then you're, they're probably wearing flip-flops or barefooted as well with all that going <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. I have a strict no pike in the boat policy. Oh, you're one of those guys, That's a eh? good policy. Oh, yeah, unless it's, like good a 40 policy. unless it's a 40-incher. Yeah, unless incher. it's a 40-incher. Yeah. <laughs> when I used to guide, snot. I would use... Uh, like a, one of those old school straight rubber nets yeah. and uh, pinch all the barbs on every hook and just slide into the rubber net, lean over, take out all the hooks and just slide her back. Yeah. Because, yeah, you'll wreck your stuff in a hurry. Yeah, if you're not yeah. taking a photo with it, those snot rockets are like, they just make a mess. So if it's not 38 inches, Logan, it shouldn't be in the boat. Oh, 40. No, I, I sorry, I don't. When I net a fish, I net it, it stays in the net. I get my tools, I unhook it. And then, yeah, I don't, I don't get people that lift it up and set whatever it is on the floor. That part, I guess if you're guiding, it's different, right? You can't, if they're going to boat flip something, they're going to do it. But, um, no, I guess I wasn't thinking about that. I, I, some people like you go up North, I go to my girlfriend's place, in Northern Saskatchewan and you hook into Pike and you may as well cut your line. Cause he has uncle wants nothing to do with it. When you go out in his boat, he's like, there's no Pike in this boat and it's only walleye. And then of course it's the first eight walleye you catch are kept and it's, oh, we're done for the day. I was like, we've only been out for an hour. Like we, <laughs> we've got all day to be out here. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. I know the type. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a lot different. Like I catch your I limit. Keep, yeah. That's what it is up there. I keep more fish up there than I keep the rest of the year and we only go out yeah. once or whatever. So 
Yeah. Maybe you could be a contender in the fillet contest next year then. Maybe. I mean, get the biggest thing is sharp knife. I don't know if, if you agree I, with that. I think you better, Logan. I think you better. I like my digits. I would I'd go up there, I'd be shaking. There's like commercial fishermen up there. They do that for a living. I can't can't compete. Yeah. Can't they're hammers. You yeah. Got, you got quick you got quick mitts. I I've seen you fillet a bourbon before. That's a video that's gonna be coming to the YouTube at some point. If, oh, that's impressive. Yeah. It's not it's not yeah. hard to do. I uh you go you go fishing up north, northern Sask, and uh you draw you're fishing for Lakers, you drop into that dead zone anywhere around uh dusk and it's it's a bourbon every time and when you're fishing at mm-hmm. 100 feet that's kind of an issue right they don't uh, they don't like to come up from that deep so we ended up i think the three of us we ended up keeping like what was it like 10 one day had to keep 10 and i'm in the shack they're still fishing for lakers suspended and i'm just there leaning over in my chair my back is breaking and i'm just filleting bourbon and i was like this is not a good time so <laughs> I was like, boys, no more dead zone in the flasher. I'm not getting another bourbon, and I'm not just wasting one either. So, yeah. How'd you cook them? Um, so those ones I did uh, just kind of like a homemade tempura batter kind of thing and and fried them up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, I, I love them. Those boys, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't eat the belly meat. So there's a pretty good, like, square of meat you get off of the, the underside, like the belly, when you clean okay. them. And those boys wouldn't eat that. It's connected to all the other meat. It's not like it's the meat from the belly itself. Like it's insulating layer down there or whatever. But anyways, they wouldn't eat that. But I'll cut that into strips and it's like fish sticks basically. Fry those up as well. It's all pretty good. But I've also done poached. Like a poor man's lobster and poor it's man's just lobster, as good. Yeah. yeah so. Or a little, uh, a little burbot mac and cheese. I tried that. Not successful. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it, uh, it's so good what you've done it just throw fry up some bourbon and put it in mac and cheese yeah yeah i i tried to do like a mac and cheese casserole with it like oh no 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 and do it yeah it, uh, you know how we were talking earlier about what i had for supper i had the good old uh roni and weens well you just cook up a yeah, little i was gonna ask you what grade you're in after you told me what you had for dinner <laughs> man yeah. it's uh that's the supper of champions. I'm just trying to celebrate American Thanksgiving. So, um, happy Thanksgiving, everybody! If you're listening from the states, we had some roni and weens for for supper. So, uh, yeah, don't don't no. say we. <laughs> I had ribeye. <laughs> <laughs> I had ribeye to sell. Yeah, wow. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, we're we're not all living in luxury, Logan. My God, some of us got to whip out some hey. ramen or KD once in a while. Jesus, I'd rather you do ramen than KD. I've had well, ramen the last couple lives days. At home and one doesn't, right? What was that? Yep. I said one of you lives yep. at home and one doesn't. I bet you I could guess who's who hey, now. Hey, I am uh, I'm <laughs> home alone. I'm keeping this fort held down. Everyone's gone oh. on vacation. Yeah, you're having ribeyes and lobster bisque. Your buddy's in his new house eating <laughs> mac and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking Mr. Lewis there's got the freezer just stacked, eh? Hey, we only got a quarter of a cow this year. I don't know what to say. Oh. I should have more going, but... No, actually, if I'm <laughs> successful tomorrow, there'll be some whitetail to have. So we'll have to you know, try, no, try white and tail provide. Hunting. That's the plan. See what happens. But well, I, I hope you get one. Me too, because then I can start ice fishing more. I've been missing out on some early ice. I went a couple of times, but um, last mountain's starting to freeze. I don't know. I guess I could transition to that. Have you, Jamie, you fished in Saskatchewan at all or much? Uh, Never. Okay. Never. Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Put on, put on your hiking boots, get over here, 
And uh, let's hit some early ice in December. He's got more Yeah, if I things. come there, it's going to be for the Vanity Cup. <laughs> yeah, that's a good reason. That's, is Fine. that what the... What's the uh, what's the bag look like at those Kenora tournaments? If you are in need of a boat, whether it be a pontoon fishing boat, maybe you just need a small boat to get into the backwoods, um, a river system, check out our friends JP Adventure Rentals and SAS Best Boat Rentals. They have everything you need for all of your adventures, whether it be fishing or fun with the family. Be sure to mention that you're a Weekend Warriors listener for 10% off everything, including gift cards. Here's a quick word from JP Adventure Rentals. Get your adventure on with JP Adventure Rentals in Saskatchewan. Whether it's remote ice fishing, hunting, trail riding, or just taking family and friends out for a day of fun. JP Adventure Rentals has you covered with brand new ATVs, snowmobiles, aluminum trailers, plus accessories. Visit jpadventurerentals.ca to make your reservation. Check out our sister company, Saskatchewan's best boat rentals for all of your boat rental needs. Pre-book now. Get out there with JP Adventure Rentals. We rent fun. Uh, you're allowed to keep one over 18 inches and, uh, three under. So, uh, like at the KWO this year, the, the Kenora wall I open, um, we had, uh, we had like a 29 and a half and a 29 and a quarter and then, uh, four or three perfect under 18s. Okay. So yeah, pretty much a 10 pound. And th- that was just to get like fifth. Okay. Uh, or fourth or whatever, fourth. And you, uh, but the guys at one had like a couple, they had like a 31 and a 30 and a half and then perfect under. So when you can only keep one over, uh, I mean, it's, it's really tight at the top, but yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, there's 30 inches and okay, so it's, it's pretty good, but I, I think Sask has probably like a higher top end, I would guess. Yeah. So that's, sorry, you said, what did you say to, like for your whole team? What's the, what's the bag look like? Uh, so we had a, t- a 10 pounder and uh, three under 18 inches for five pounds pretty much each day. Oh, okay. Okay. And got, got beat. So, so it's a total it's, of four it, then? Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's, a, I think here, uh, Tobin's a little different because they have some slot, but it's five fish. Um, yeah. But uh, so that is, that is a little different. And what's the, if you're, if you get first place, not not including any like side bets as far as biggest fish, what are you taking over for first place? Uh, the KWO is sweet because uh, Lund throws in a it's like a sixteen foot Fury with a twenty five Merc on it. Okay, so that thing's worth worth probably twenty k, yeah. and then uh, another ten or twelve k on top of that. Okay, so there's a good payout there. Dryden Walleye Masters is uh, is a similar payout, so pretty much thirty grand on a three to five hundred dollar entry okay so that's why you'd want to come to the vanity then with 100k well yeah the, and the entry fee on the vanity is 2400 dollars, i think um okay yeah it's it's major i'm like i cannot believe that there's 180 people or whatever it is willing to pay that entry fee but yeah it's it's uh, it's a thing I mean, that's that's like know. the biggest payout of any walleye tournament in north america hands down mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty, it's pretty unreal that it's uh, right here in Saskatchewan, but I don't know if you've uh, listened to any of our recent episodes, um, but we did sit down with Jim episode 40. Yeah. Episode 40 with Jim. He's the, the founder and the uh, director, the guy that puts on the Valley cup. So yeah. we had a pretty good conversation with him. And so if you haven't listened to episode 40, I'd go check that out. It's uh, basically all about the Valley cup and 
next year's a pretty big year for them. So if you're trying to get into one, that might be one to come to. Yeah, and there was one called Rowan's too, I heard. Yeah, so that's Last Mountain. Oh, yeah. That's on Last Mountain. Yeah. The yeah. boys are really pumping that one up too. So that's on the that's on the hit list too. Yeah. If I ever get a, a day to fish in Canada again after this year. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. I was asking if you'd come over because or if you have come over to Saskatchewan because um Last Mountain is basically some areas are got safe ice, but uh some of the some of the prime areas are starting to get some safer ice now from what I'm hearing. And so that's kind of, that's what I'm hoping to get my whitetail tomorrow. And then I can start to hit those areas. Cause that early ice at last mountain is, is too much fun. Um, that's where my PB comes from too, is early ice there. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It should be, should be a good time. But, um, as far as with your story that you're telling there earlier and you talked about kind of whether it was fishing from shore and stuff like that, I, I found that interesting because like, obviously you talked about when you start, when things start like as far as the sponsors products start coming in, you kind of, you don't take it for granted, but you kind of like, Oh, like I'll not forget about it either, but you kind of look at that, like, Oh, like look at all this stuff as far as product. And then you see other people, like as far as the boats that you'd see in these tournaments and stuff, right? Like you get to some of the boats and hundred plus thousand dollar boats. And it's like you said, it can be as expensive as you make it. But I think that was really interesting that you mentioned that you basically, started from nothing and chip and fishing was a cheap thing to do. Cause it's not really looked like at it like that anymore. Hey, well, it's not looked like it's not looked at in that way anymore just because of mindset. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I see a few people like, I'll just speak to the kind of tournament world just to prove the point here. But, uh, there's a lot of people that won't even, uh, fish a tournament if they don't have a 70 mile an hour boat, uh, loaded with all the forward facing sonar. Um, but the ones that kind of learn to, uh, you know, work with what they've got are, are the ones that are ending up being like the best in the, in the world right now. Um, there's, (laughs) it's, it's a theme that keeps reoccurring, um, to where if you're just, you know, you're happy with the, with what you have and, accept that and, and just grind it out. Um, it seems like it kind of adds a layer of resilience because there are a ton of people at these, uh, at these Bassmaster terms. I'm not trying to throw any shade or anything, but, uh, a lot of them are, are just handed dad's credit card and said, you know, here, have at her never had to work before. Uh, don't know what it's like to kind of earn your way through it. Um, you know, have every advantage possible and, uh, you know, very rarely do they succeed. Yeah. Um, just because they don't have that kind of resilience. If something goes wrong, they just, you know, spin out and throw a fit. And like I had, a, I don't know if you heard the co-angler story, um, from the last one down at Lake Hartwell, uh, buddy that came down with me fished as a co-angler. So it's like their pro-am tournament. So the co-angler fishes in the back of the pros boat Mm -hmm. and they fish their own tournament against other co-anglers. So I brought a buddy down there, he signed up and, uh, during the tournament, the guy he was with was just like, you know, one of these kind of textbook guys that I'm talking about and his, uh, his live scope quit mid tournament, Mm -hmm. like at 11 o'clock, he took all the rods in his boat, put them in his rod locker and called the tournament director to see if he could go way in, like quit. Really? He had a good day one. If he would have caught him, he could have went to the Bassmaster classic. Um, but that's, you know. So, but you had a, you had a video on that, right? That was one of your podcasts, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was just something that was crazy to me. Um, but yeah, I mean like, 
you take a guy like Jeff Gustafson, he, uh, um, you know, he had to do the same thing, fish your way up, use what you have. Um, you know, we each had, had beat her old boats, uh, growing up and just kind of what, what, if you start from that, it seems like you, um, you know, it's easier to like check back in with, uh, with reality and, and not take it for granted and just kind of remind yourself how, how good you have it. And, you know, grounding like that, you know, tur- like tournament fishing is, is really, uh, a mental game. So having, having that background seems to really help on, you know, on that end. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of with anything, like if you're just handed it, you don't appreciate it. Right. If you're handed all the technology, handed all that, you're really probably not going to also have the knowledge to, to do lots of it. Um, but I mean, it's that, like you said, it's that mindset. Like I'm sure if you were just handed this house, this job, this, that you, if you're not taking it for granted, you're also eventually just going to lose it. Cause you don't realize how hard it is to actually get there. And so part of that mindset being, maybe you're having a bad day on one of, on one of the nine tournaments, but you're like, you know, how hard I work to get here. Like that's going to push you even further. Right. Whereas someone who kind of just fluffed their way along. And like you said, dad's credit card, all that stuff. Well, they're like, I quit I'm going home kind of thing right yeah yeah it happens a lot yeah no exactly and that that doesn't surprise me like i for myself i started with a what did i I had an an, was it a 10 or 12 foot aluminum with a 9.9 that i rode because i couldn't drive it and then now now my boat is a 16 and a half foot uh lund rebel and i love it beauty and it's it's awesome i've never other than we did have a Oh shit! What's it called? What's the boat we took out last fall, Brandon? Uh, I think it was an eighteen twenty-five uh, Kingfisher. <clears throat> Warrior Kingfisher. Yeah, and so other than that boat, I've never been in a boat, a fishing boat with bigger engine or like none of those big lines, Lumicrafts, all that stuff. So obviously, I don't know what that's like as much. But I get thirty miles an hour. I can go wherever I want with that boat, even into some places I shouldn't that are tiny and stuff like Unreal that. Unreal on fuel. Oh, great on fuel. It's 40 bucks to fill her up and it lasts me all day. Maybe even two trips. Like it's, it's great for yeah. that. But I, kind of on the other flip side of that too, I think we paid it 12 years ago, we paid nine grand for the boat or something, 8,500. And yeah. that it just had a power drive and two Eagle fish finders. And now it's got a Trova, a Helix 7, the Ecomap 95. And I guess if Brandon comes on now, you were there when we bought the live scope, like yeah, I watched you buy the live scope. <laughs> yeah, so. you're you're a bad influence. You're a terrible influence. <laughs> you won't regret it. No, no, I know. <laughs> have you? Used I lear- the, have you? Used it literally unboxed it like I don't know five days ago. I just been too busy. Unboxed it. I'm just waiting now for Logan to say, "Hey, I'm done hunting. I got my I got my deer. Let's go ice fishing." Oh, it'll be soon. It'll be coming. Maybe even Sunday. <laughs> how's it gonna work when you're ice fishing like who gets it because i know i asked you i was like who bought this and you're like well we bought it it's gonna be with brandon um i have a the 95 which i'll eventually be converting as well so we'll both eventually have them but we're only 45 minutes away from each other uh we'll probably be going to last mountain which is kind of it's like an hour for you as well right brandon something like that depending where we go on the lake yep. so depends on how far north yeah, it's kind of in the middle. And also, like, some of my buddies that I go with quite often, they have live scope already. Um, yeah. So it, it kind of be potentially overkill. But, no, we'll be we'll be getting together and 
and using that. So it, it lives at Brandon's house to answer your question. But we, uh, but no, I think, uh, so I don't know what, what side I'd fall in with that, right? Like you've still got the 16 and a half foot, like you mentioned, lots of boats go at 70 mile an hour, whatever guys won't go out without that. I go 30, but then I've also got more in electronics on the boat now pretty well that we paid for it. 12 years ago yeah. so it's kind of a in between of the two right so i mean that's well that's that's just the reality of of fishing and um you know if you're into it you're gonna you're gonna find a way to to afford this stuff um and the the, evol- the evolution of fishing yeah yeah and it, it's it's like anything if you want to take it serious and and that's you know if, if you want to do it for a living or or at least in part for a living then you're going to eventually have to get all this gear but as far as getting started it's not even close to a requirement yeah you know yeah i don't have to tell you exactly and for for people that are kind of no i was just gonna say i think we talk about that a lot too right it's like you don't have to have the new boat you don't have to have the new rods and the new reels and live scopes and stuff i mean if you can just get a rod and and a few baits and some good line and uh, make sure you're using like good line it's not all ripped up if you know you can go cast off a bank or you don't need a shack or a snowmobile to go and get to the good ice fishing spots like it's all pretty accessible for the average joe and i think that's really what we want to make sure people are aware of is all of these great fishing opportunities are accessible for for anyone um, whether you got hundred bucks in the bank account or whatever right it's uh just such an amazing sport and hobby and we have so many great resources here in canada so don't think that you have to go get the best of the best every year because you don't yeah yeah like i you know i feel bad some days wheeling up to the gas station with six graphs on my boat Mm -hmm. and and poles and brand new and shiny and everything and like um you know, when, when, like you said, like, uh, I, I grew up just fishing on the fishing on the cheap side and, and you can do it. It's it, it can be the cheapest sport or the most expensive and you know, how much you want to spend depends on, on how much you want to, how far you want to go and how much you want to get into it, like anything, but it's, uh, you know, especially in, like you said, in Canada, it's, it's really accessible. And, and one thing I kind of did, um, you know, at the start of my tournament career was instead of like um you know spending money on on all the highest end gear or something like that i would save that and and you know put gas in the tank and and extend my time on the water um and i think that really kind of helped me along the way um so yeah definitely definitely don't need to be flashy it's it's fun to have all the gear and it's nice and everything but yeah that's it's uh not required at all and i think uh you know you guys hit that on the head with this this weekend warriors deal and um it's uh it's not a a fishing snob podcast or an elitist or anything like that so yeah i like it i'm into it yeah no it's that's kind of like brad and said and like you mentioned that's kind of what lots of it is and i mean you go and uh it's the same thing as far as when you can tell someone who either does it for a living or whatever they 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 really work at it as opposed to someone who's just doing it for fun so like when i went guiding this spring like we got all this really nice stuff for fishing walleyes down here and stuff and we got up there and some of the guides up there some of the stuff they're on i'm like this is the most like bare bones operation and it works like it just shows that you don't ghetto well and it's it's just old school or whatever right like it's 
it's nothing crazy. Like I see, um, my one buddy, like he guides up there, great fisherman, all this stuff lives up in, in Northern Sask. And I watched his one video and he's running an ugly stick. And I'm like, you don't see that a lot, right? As, as far as lots of people we fish with down here, but it works. He caught more trout great, in that great, video that I'd seen runs. in a long time. So it's like, it's, uh, yeah, like it all dude, Matt Robertson still fishes with ugly sticks. Like no word of a lie. He's, uh, he finished seventh on the Bassmaster Elite Series this year. Oh, really? Dude lives in a in a trip. Make no bones about it. He lives in a trailer. Uh, he he fished his way up. He's you know he's as unrefined as it gets. He's got an ugly stick wrap on his boat, and uh, he's competing out there. He uses garbage mono, yeah. rusty hooks, and ugly sticks, and is laying a whip and on the best in the business. So. Yeah, and I guess <laughs> I guess the other side of that too is, as I was gonna say, there's also things like it is nice having the nice stuff like having the the blackfish rain gear stuff like that like i wore that every day guiding it's nice to have that stuff to be able to have the necessities right like to be able to stay warm stay dry stuff like that but as far as lots of the tools you're using like i guess we could transition into ice fishing because that's obviously what's going on right now and you mentioned yeah. that that's that's something you're into as well like if you want to get into fishing ice fishing is probably i guess difficult but probably one of the cheapest things ways you could get into fishing right you can buy ice fishing rod and reel combo for like 30 bucks and go and buy yourself a bait yeah auger could run you a bit unless you want to do it manual or whatever but even with the new drill kits that lots have it's it's cheap enough and you don't need to go everyone up in canada has winter clothes right you don't have to go buy extra clothes for that so i think that's just another way it could be nice and accessible yeah yeah absolutely yeah but uh i guess for a little bit of uh relevant information i may dig into some ice fishing i know you did your seminar on fishing in northwest ontario right yeah so like i said i've only the farthest west i've been would be or east sorry would be winnipeg and i haven't fished further east than that so and i know brandon you haven't as well right nope haven't wet a line uh in ontario at all yeah. So what what are what can we expect from Ontario fishing, specifically north northwest Ontario? <laughs> it's gonna be so different from what you guys are used to. Yeah. Um, convince uh, me. Convince me. Like pretty much, once you get an hour east of Winnipeg, the whole world changes. Like it all turns into Canadian Shield. Okay. Um, so a lot of the lakes go deep and steep. Uh, there's still like traditional mud bottom lakes, but kind of transitions from that prairie basin featureless stuff to like endless structure um you know five humps in one square mile and like super steep rock and just like uh, unlimited things to fish and uh it can be really overwhelming but that's you know that's what we all grew up on around here Mm -hmm. uh so like um yeah, just t- totally different how you approach it. There's a lot of minnow eaters, so a lot of fish looking up. Yeah. Um, like my buddies from the prairies, I I fished with uh, uh, Siemens one day, Jay, when he moved here, and uh, we were walleye fishing on Lake of the Woods, and like he was just driving his spoon into the bottom and like stirring up the mud. I was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> we call that the eraser here. Like if a walleye comes in and you go to the bottom and keep it right on it, it just leaves." Oh yeah. Where like, you know, I'll put my spoon like five, seven feet above it and get that sucker coming up. Oh, that is, so that is different. There's a, you know, there is a big difference in, in that regard. Some of the th- things still transfer. A walleye still eats a, 
a rattle spoon and a jig and a minnow yeah. like that, you know, yeah. that's all kind of the same. It's just how you set up and, and how you break down the structure without getting too overwhelmed. Right. And so I guess, how would you, how would you approach that? Cause I know like for us in Saskatchewan here, you can head up, you get North of, of PA into the range, you're into shield lakes there. And I find like, there's a lot of, I guess, ways you could explain it like as far as hunters like you get into an area and let's say you're hunting upland it's like oh this looks like prairie chicken area but there's it's like miles and miles of it it's almost like there's too much good area right so how do you how do you break down a place like that when there is so much good area to fish or areas that look good to fish um if it's if it's ice fishing like in the winter almost always the fish relate to the deepest basin uh, whether they're in the basin or not, they're almost always going to come on to the structure that's attached to mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, they'll slide up and down it. So just looking a lot of these places don't have maps, but, um, just kind of, you can eliminate a lot of that shallow water and a lot of that structure that's not adjacent to the, to the basin. Okay. Um, and that, I mean, that cuts it down from, uh, from a hundred possibles to 10 yeah. in a lot of cases. So that's the biggest thing and uh just moving fast like you know i i used to guide lots in the winter and would get guests from manitoba and minnesota and it was like you know we'd hop on a spot and boys would just yard sale everything out comes you're there for the day (laughs) yeah like the the hub style shacks and lawn chairs and all these gadgets like whatever light up tip ups and like uh, things you put in the hole to make them not freeze and all this shit that, you know, and then I'll be like, all right, time to go. Like by the time they get the last <laughs> thing and like, you have to just have to be mobile yeah. They're uh, you know, on, on places with features like this, they don't just swim around. Like it's specific where they come up. So that's a, that's a big, big change there. We move a lot, uh, back before, uh, strike master came out with the, with the 40 volts, I used to use those old solo motors mm-hmm. and, uh, and I got a graveyard of them. Like yeah. we would, you know, we would destroy those things every year or two. And there's four or five sitting in my garage, like just been abused. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's hard on augers. It's hard on equipment. Um, I approach it in, uh, in a tub style ice shack and, and you know, a snow machine a lot and just super simple setup. Uh, you know, it's lots of times just to mark and flash or sometimes I'll pull out the live scope if I'm like doing a video or setting up a little bit better, uh, couple rods, pocket full of baits and just stay mobile. Yeah. You hear it all the time. It's cliche, but it's a thing. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the thing that's maybe tougher in Saskatchewan. Like if I sent you the death map of Buffalo pound, I think you'd laugh that <laughs> hundreds of people fish it every winter. Like it's like colonies of shacks out there. It's ridiculous. But like deepest point is or deepest spot is 15 feet if you're lucky um it's that mud mud bathtub yeah. basically right like it's and so you, you can be mobile and stuff but it's like where are you mobile to you're mobile to another yeah. 10 10 to 12 foot mud bottom that's there's nothing yeah, around the fish are just swimming around you're waiting for them to come to you so yeah. If you're spending half your time packing and moving, it's just not effective. Right. And it's, it's mostly perched there in the, in the winter. I mean, there, there's walleye, it's a great walleye fishery in the summer, but it's, it's just trolling blades most of the time for, to eventually get a bite here and there. Right. Like it's, I'm happy to find a three foot drop. Like I hit that early ice, three foot drop walleye go anywhere else. You don't, don't seem to catch as many walleye, but even those little tiny drops are like, Oh, that's a big drop for this lake. Whereas 
you get to those shield legs and it's like you don't even bat your eye at that yeah yeah and that upper upper red lake everyone's fishing that in north dakota right now that's always a first ice like go-to and they're all their fishing is like they'll fish places with more snow on the ice than others because that you know counts as some cover because yeah. it's just so featureless yeah yeah no. so yeah just just totally different yeah that's uh <laughs> that is and it's crazy how the shield the way it works it moves this way down that that you guys do get it so easily there and i was actually talking to brandon before i think when when you're moving from the garage into your house and i was like have you ever looked on google maps and just looked at ontario like is is that just one of those things where the globe feature of google maps makes it look huge or is it actually that big and uninhabited oh man it is like that tournament i was telling you about in tennessee Mm -hmm. it was 23 hours so i could drive there from where i live in less time than it would take for me to drive to the Ontario border. Oh, really? To the easternmost point. Okay. So it's, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> you can get to central Texas as quick as I can get to Toronto. That's crazy to think so, about. Yeah. It's just like when I'm talking to people from down there and like I go down there all the time, um, you know, for work and stuff. And uh, until you whip out a map and like punch it into Google Maps, nobody realizes how far it is. So we just say we're in Winnipeg a mm-hmm. lot, you know, <laughs> two uh, two hours away, and people at least know have a general idea where it is in yeah. Central Canada. Yeah, exactly. Because and so. and most people are right along in those couple miles from the border too, right? Like it's when you get into Eastern Ontario and stuff. Like it just it baffled me when I was looking at that, and kind of the same with Quebec too. It's those northern areas look awesome like i'd love to just be able to helicopter fly in there and drop into some of those lakes but it's crazy yeah yeah it's i mean it's totally endless like um you know i fish as much as i can and i haven't even scratched the surface of the lakes around here Mm -hmm. um we'll just pick pick new ones especially at first ice because you can move around easy and that seems to be when they're most alive but yeah like the thought of even going up north to those lakes is just like so overwhelming because there's so many around here that we haven't even touched so i guess uh well shit we've had you for for over an hour already probably getting tired of here what uh i wanted to ask about ice fishing smallies because you you see so much smallie action in the summer um do you have much input for as far as what goes on with them in the winter yeah tons of input uh (laughs) controversial topic (laughs) This is, this is probably in the top, uh, top 10 of, of controversial topics that I like to comment on. I actually got into, uh, into a couple debates with Aaron Weeb over the years over this. Um, uh, and you know, Pizer's been in on it too and Gussie's weighed in and, uh, it's, I mean, it's silly at the end of the day, but, um, so Lake of the Woods is a little bit different. Uh, you know, the bass will go into these deep zones, uh, like 35 foot rock structures a lot of the time, and they just don't really do much all winter. They're super docile. You know, I've dropped my, I got a Markham underwater camera and I'll drop it down and I can just see them. Their bellies literally on the bottom and they're, you know, they're docile. They'll, they'll bite like right now and they'll bite in March. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of the year they just, they don't really do much. Um, so they are really easy to target. It's not... And that's kind of the argument. Um, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, it can be really bad for them, barotrauma, and just using energy that 
they don't necessarily have or have the the ability to restore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not a biologist, so I don't I don't know the science, but that's just how I look at it. I look at them like just leave them alone. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I'd way rather catch one on a jerk bait in the summer. Uh, they don't. It's not like they fight any better than the walleye. There's so many good opportunities up here um, that aren't catching bass. You know, it's cool. It's, it's kind of exotic in the winter. But uh, the challenge really isn't there. Um, I used to do it. I used to think it was cool. And once I knew where they wintered, it was just you could just go and uh, catch them all. Right. And, you know, it was, it's hard on them. Uh, like I've seen them, you know, be unreleasable and, and everything like that. So I just leave it alone. Uh, but there are a lot of places where you can catch them shallow. Um, you know, a lot of these back lakes, they'll just be like in six-foot mud and, uh, there'll be lots of weeds in the lake and lots of oxygen and I don't know, maybe they're a little bit more active. Uh, so th- that's kind of the counter argument too. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of where that's at. I, I mean, you're not going to eat them. I hope you wouldn't anyway. Um, they don't fight that good and they're not hard to catch. So like why you right. do it, you know? Go catch a lake trout if you want to fight. Go catch a wall if you want something yeah. to eat. So that's that's interesting because I've that's seen a fair point. Yeah, I I mean I've seen like obviously places have limits for them too, but like I've seen that that some people do eat them, but it's more of a in my eyes just a sport fish, not a not when you really go after to eat. So I I mean that makes sense with what you're saying, and it's kind of does that kind of flow into the same idea that people had with crappie as well as they're in those deep areas and like not obviously people fish crappie in the winter, but like lots of these videos you see where these crappie are all bunched up in these deep holes in the lake. Is that kind of similar too? Uh, the layout's kind of similar They're you know, uh, 90% of the fish are in 10% of the water, right. probably actually even less. Um, so you can, it's really easy to go expose these crappie lakes. Okay. I used to spend a pile of my time, like going to search and find new ones that weren't being fished. Cause that's when you catch the big ones. Uh, but once the pressure sets in, like you can take the top off a lake in like a couple of days. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they're treated differently than bass as far as harvest goes. Uh, you know, there's usually a bunch of them. People love eating them. There's high limits on them. I definitely do my fair share of harvest on them suckers. Yeah. So, uh, they're treated a little bit differently. You can't really catch and release them in a lot of these places. Uh, you know, the, the barotrauma gets them pretty hard too. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you'll see these lakes that they get the top taken off them and then there's just no more big fish ever in that lake. Oh yeah. Um, some of them will like cycle and, uh, it'll go from a lake where you used to catch 20, 14 inches to now you go there and catch like 210 inches. Okay. Yeah. So it's just, it's just really weird, but you can see the, you can see the pressure in real time having an effect on, on the lakes, but they're, uh, they're easy to figure out and they're, uh, you know, they're a good option in the winter. They bite all day. A lot of the walleyes up here only bite at, uh, low light. Right. So like we'll do a lot of daytime crappie fishing. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was kind of, was kind of alluding there too, is with the depth and the barrow travel. Cause I know I've seen videos and I think Aaron had a video on it too, or the age of the crappie, as well as being in those deeper holes, obviously not dealing well with the barrel trauma and stuff like that. It's, uh, I was just kind of curious about that, but what were you saying, what you were saying about the smallies, they kind of sound like the opposite of burbot, like burbot just don't move. So docile, unless they're in river system, they're pretty docile in the summer. 
the kind of belly in the bottom like we had uh mm -hmm. chris summers on from the saskatchewan sport fish research group and he talked about like there's like this one burbot sat there for two weeks on their acoustic tags it did not move and that kind of like when they pick wow. up in the winter right they get more active but as far as the summer goes in these lakes they're pretty uh pretty quiet and so that kind of made me think of them being kind of the opposite timetables the smallies yeah yeah i've i mean i physically have seen it with smallmouth and actually there was uh uh, bass tournament on Falcon Lake, Manitoba. Uh, and it would always be like opening weekend in Manitoba, which was like May 10th. And, uh, there were two years in a row where the ice had just come off the lake, like a day before the tournament. And, uh, I, I had, uh, gone out there, uh, before the cutoff and dropped my underwater camera down and I found the wintering hole. None of the fish had moved at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, they hadn't started to stage at all. They hadn't come up at all. And it was like, uh, 40 feet deep and you couldn't mark them on your graph. You couldn't see them on your live scope. Uh, I dropped my, that little Markham camera down there and I could just see hundreds and hundreds of bass, like every bass in the lake on one spot. And they were, their bellies were on the bottom. They weren't moving at all. Um, just like stuck there. Yeah. So, you know, they weren't even fired up yet. We, we went out, we, we won the tournament off them, but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I put, put a lot of time into learning how to fizz them and take care of them in that regard. Uh, you know, so, yeah. So at least like all our fish were good to go. They're super strict about, about weighing unreleasable fish and all that, but yeah, to see that and, and go and have everyone take advantage of that every, every March, it just, you know, it's, it's not going to do any any good and like i said i'd way rather catch them in the summer yeah exactly and then you talked about taking the top off of a lake i know just from the little bit of talking i've done to some of the fisheries biologists in in the province here like you stunting is a big thing like stunting the growth of the fish so you get rid of those bigger ones yeah there's more fish yeah. but that results in that growth being stunted too so if you overstock a lake say a trout lake you overstock that lake you're not going to get as many big trout if if any right they're all kind of going to cap out it seems and if you allow for that diversity of size that's when you really start to get some of those big ones yeah yeah, so. yeah. i don't know it's uh yeah it's, it's a, i was just curious about that because you hardly like with youtube and all the videos you hardly see you maybe see one maybe two a winter of someone ice fishing uh smallies maybe not even that many a winter and it's it rarely ha it rarely see it on youtube so i was just curious about that because well yeah, that's kind of something that is when it really started to flare up because all these people that make um, make YouTube videos for a living, there's only so many things you can do in the winter. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a very short list. Uh, people try to get creative, but uh, there's really nothing like exotic or unique you can mix into it anymore. So, uh, you know, going to catch smallmouth is not something that's seen very often. And maybe it's seen as just an opportunity to have a, a little bit different of a video. So I totally understand it in that regard. And, and I think that's when this whole thing kind of started. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We have a, I'm not going to say it cause I don't want it stolen, but I texted Brandon, not saying you'd steal it. Just maybe someone listening that, uh, yeah, I mean, well, I'll text you. I'll text you. Yeah. No, I'll text you it maybe, but, uh, it, it's a, it's a video idea that I haven't seen on YouTube yet. And I don't know how it would pan out, but, uh, I think Brandon knows what I'm talking about, but it, uh, it could be interesting. Well, if, if we're, if we're doing it, it's probably going to flop. Oh, that's true. Maybe I have to give it to Jamie. We might, so, so we people might as well see record it. it, put it on Jamie's channel. Yeah. And that way it actually gets viewed. 
Yeah. <laughs> get get Aaron Weeb to do it. He uh uh him and I have a difference of opinions lots. Um but you know, I I really like watching his stuff. Like he's always I got thoroughly a really his stuff. Angle. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always entertaining. He's always got a unique angle and he seems to be the best at kind of coming up with new stuff, which seems to be, I guess, what you want, you know, what you have to do if you want to make videos for like for solely a living. Yeah, so like what yeah. I have you watched his recent one? Yeah. And then Oh yeah. 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 His his recent video was like man, it, it like blew me away. Right? Just because it's so different. Like the guy's literally sitting in uh in a sled using a strike master auger as a prop. And uh yeah, with his dog like, in his boat. Yeah, just <laughs> crazy, but like only I feel like Literally only he could pull that off. And if anyone else tried to make a video like that, it would be like, it'd be too bizarre for anyone else to do that. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, wait. But it's who, just, caught, but, who caught a rainbow out of their sled last year in oh the water? Oh my God. This guy. <laughs> Did you get one floating in your sled? Yeah, we, uh, we tested it. We have the videos testing it. So we had a sight hole and we were up in the Duck Mountains there in Manitoba and we had a sight hole that uh, we were done with for the day. So I put the sled in there. I'm like, it's like the XL jet sled. I was like, can this thing hold me? And sturdy as can Yo, be. Well, you're also like 120 pounds soaking wet. Weighed myself, 168. Oh. Yeah. Getting up there. It's from that ribeye. It's that ribeye you've been <laughs> eating five days a week. Yeah. Yeah. No, but anyways, there it was one of these stocked lakes in Duck Mountain and uh, tested it in the sight hole. It was good to go. Uh, also had my float suit on too, but that's that's beside the point. But anyways, then there was a lot of open water we were already early ice we were on like four inches but then there was um the aerators i didn't go where they were but they created a much bigger hole of open ice or open water right and so i basically we had i have a long rope attached for pulling it uh when walking out and so my buddy hung on to that and we just kind of shimmied my way back into this open water the aerators were probably like i don't know couple hundred feet away so they're they're far enough away because i know that water can be kind of suspect but anyways just sat there and casting around jigging and, and caught a rainbow doing that so i mean i'm not saying aaron took the idea but uh it did blow up on tiktok pretty good so nice i'm gonna check yeah. it out no it was it was fun it uh obviously controlled controlled enough environment but it's uh it is kind of those little things that he does like i was saying like who else can upload a video every couple months and keep people coming back right like people just like are waiting for it whereas lots of the youtube strategy is videos as much as you can right yeah yeah he's definitely on the opposite end of that spectrum <laughs> yeah. i can't stand the the daily video update guys like in the in, in the, the states US, it is oh man it's torture yeah. like or nothing <laughs> happens lots of the time too and it's i mean yeah, they'll just be like a controversial thumbnail and you just click and it's just like a guy sitting in his little tackle room just saying weird <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. Tighten your drag a little, bud. Put a little effort well, into it. Well, I guess just, yeah, you. just putting putting content out for the sake of putting content out. Yeah. yeah but it works for them, so. Yeah, they're doing, they're doing not too bad for themselves down there, so are those boys. So I guess uh, yeah. we've already kept you for an hour 17. Um, nice. As far as for yourself plug away like what's what's your youtube looking like what's the plan for for that like we know you got the pod and you, you got some it, uh, in real life videos and stuff like that like what's uh what's your plans there 
Yeah, I'm going to hit the uh, first dice pretty hard, hard here. It's just, you know, well, it's warm and easy to get around. Uh, kind of show what we've got to offer. We've got a couple new new ice fishing tricks, so we'll lean pretty hard on that. Uh, podcast has been rolling weekly lately. Uh, you know, might drop to, to bi-weekly again. You know how that goes. It's not real easy to kind of keep on top of this stuff. It's, uh, it's a bunch of work, but that's the Get the Net podcast. It's on all platforms and uh heavy heavy on the lube tube mostly um and then yeah man just getting ready for uh for this upcoming tackle season and like you said i'm i'm uh involved in bt fishing as well uh we've got a lot of you know like higher end bass and walleye tackle i have some innovative stuff the clack shot and smeltinator underspin and things like that so you can check that out at btfishing.com and uh yeah just just gonna get everything ready, get as prepared as I can for, uh, whatever I sign myself up for, uh, <laughs> next year. It's, it's going to be a wild season. I'm definitely going to have to push the envelope, uh, you know, harder than I ever have before. And, uh, I'll, uh, I'll have cameras rolling for that and, and try to take everyone along for, uh, for the real life journey on, on that front, whether it, uh, goes well or not. Yeah. So. That's where we're at. And those there. those can all be found. That's Jamie Bruce Fishing, correct? On YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube, same on Instagram. I deleted my TikTok the other day. I think you can still go to it, <laughs> but I was like, this is there's too many things to check. Yeah. Uh, it starts to become <laughs> too too many things for sure. And I think uh I think that's a good point. But yeah, I think that would be cool to be able to, to kind of watch along. Like you said, you're bringing the cameras. So um I know especially I tuned into a couple, but I've watched pretty well everyone since we met you at the at the Winnipeg show there and it's it's been fun to watch and it's kind of like obviously me and Brian like to talk fishing and we say it a lot we don't we're not doing it doing it like lots of the guests we have on right like yeah we like to get out fishing we get out when we can but in the name of the podcast the weekend wires it's usually just on the weekends right so it's cool having those podcasts from guys like yourself and and some of the people that hop in and, and come on the pod that are actually doing it doing it doing it yeah yeah, well, you guys are doing a good job with what you're doing too. So keep that rocking. I uh, I send people your way all the time because there's you know there's only a couple tolerable Canadian podcasts and fishing. Yeah. So uh, you know you guys are the I referred to you as the Sask podcast. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Keep, keep it rocking. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah. we'll keep in touch. Yeah, boys. for sure. We uh, we appreciate you coming on. We know it's been a little bit in the making. <laughs> made mention that uh maybe been ghosted at the show and i was like oh shit forgot to <laughs> forgot to mention them or to yeah to hey t- strike two though um ghosted me after your first message hey we'd like to have you on okay nothing for like a month see him at the ice <laughs> show oh yeah I'm, i was actually just gonna message you back today okay bullshit and then uh <laughs> this week uh full disclosure uh was it last night you're like hey our our actual guest for this week dropped and we were just gonna <laughs> you for next week do you mind coming yeah. on i was like all right boys let's just pull the band-aid off here get her done i didn't want yeah. it to come so across full, like that full full transparency like anybody that's listening to this like lining up a podcast is not simple like it's pretty hard to get three uh three people's schedules lined up and i mean Sometimes it's months before we actually make something happen. People are like, yeah, I'll come on. And then it's seven months down the road. And it's like, hey, I'm ready to come on. It's like, oh, well, we got five other people lined up. So, yeah, it's not all not not all bunnies and rainbows yeah. over here. It's a tough no, time. Yeah. And we're just, we're just happy totally. that you were able to hop on last minute here. Because, man, 
it's it's been a while we've been chatting with you and then finally got to meet your tall ass at the winnipeg ice fishing <laughs> show and Maybe by the way short. everybody is everyone's so freaking tall in this world it's crazy um but uh, yeah, no, we're happy to sit down. I, I hope we can have you on again. I can actually like maybe dive into like some tackle talk or, you know, like have a real niche conversation about something. Uh, I think this was just a great episode to dive in. You know, anybody that doesn't know who you are, you know, hopefully they know who you are now and go sub to your channel and listen to your podcast. And in the future, we can dive into a little more detailed stuff and hopefully people can learn a little bit. Sounds good, boys. Well, uh, We'll keep in touch. We'll talk to you soon. Big thanks to Jamie for coming on. I know uh, kind of talking at the end there, uh, some bad communication on my part. I'll, uh, I'll take the bullet for that one. I'd messaged him and, and he said he'd be down south for a couple of weeks. And then I left it about another three weeks until we saw him at the ice fishing show. Uh, just scatterbrain that I am, I guess. And uh, so definitely appreciate him coming on, especially last minute, like he had mentioned. So uh, big, big thanks there. It was pretty cool getting to, uh, to talk to him that's actually one of the first episodes where we've met the person in or the met the person in person right lots of these we've talked to them online and stuff like that but meeting jamie at the winnipeg ice show and now getting to do the episode with him it was kind of it was cool it was different because we'd actually met in person talked in person stuff like that so definitely enjoyed it lots of good information there uh kind of getting his story of how he kind of came up and what he's planning to do here in the future and uh like we said we'd like to get him on again to kind of get him to more of a niche episode. Like I'm sure he could talk for a long time about baits and techniques and stuff like that. And I think that's, that's something that we would like to touch on as well. Cause we don't get into the bass talk as much here. And it's a lot that not only ourselves could learn, but a lot of you listeners. So I don't know. What, what did you think, Brandon? Yeah. I mean, Jamie's just an absolute weapon. Um, great guy all around to talk to, you know, meeting him at the, at the show, like you mentioned, he's really awesome to, you know, chit chat with, uh, he's a hammer behind the fillet knife we know we figured that out i mean yeah. he lost on the day one filleting contest but uh, day two when we ditched he he strapped down buckled up and got it done um yeah just a great guy i mean he's pretty down to earth uh he runs a great youtube channel great podcast as well so if you're in the ontario area definitely tune into that episode it's pretty relevant to kenora um ontario fishing area and yeah, he's a tournament angler that's trying to do um, big things and, and make a name in, in the elite series. And, you know, we wish him all the best. The guy's got the, the personality um, and uh, the attitude to go places. And uh, we, we wish you nothing but the best this season, man. Um, we'll be rooting for you, you uh, all year long. Yeah. And I know uh, he, like we mentioned, he has his podcast as well. Um, I think he was telling us afterwards that he just started in April, I believe he said. So um, yep. I know I've listened to quite a few episodes of that and definitely enjoyed it. Uh, it's definitely a good one to put on. And it, it, when you're on the drive to the lake, kind of like ours, stuff like that, lots of really good information there. And he kind of covers a broad range of topics too. And it's kind of, I don't know, I found it really interesting. It's one of the more enjoyable fishing podcasts I've listened to. So uh, definitely be sure to check that out. But he's also uh, partnered with, 13 Fishing as well, sponsored by them. Uh, so definitely got to give them a big shout out again, presenting sponsors of the podcast. We're getting into ice fishing season here, getting right into the thick of it now. Things will be locking up even more. And uh, it's definitely a good time to head over to their website and save 15% off with our code Weekend Warriors. Um, I know we picked up a couple 
couple things here for ice season that we're looking forward to getting to use and uh i think you should too it's a it's a good opportunity to save some money yep and we really appreciate you guys tuning in uh, it means the world to us we're creeping up here or a month away from ending year two of uh the weekend warriors fishing podcast and without you guys tuning in uh and all the support you know all the the messages and the emails and helping us along the way we wouldn't be here today so uh, we really truly appreciate you guys tuning in we hope you enjoy these episodes that we provide for you whether you get value um, or entertainment out of it um, whatever it is that keeps keeps you coming back um, be sure to tell a friend Um, we just we want to continue to grow community around the weekend warriors brand and uh, it all starts with you so thank you so much we'll see you in the next one take care tight lines be safe Thanks for tuning in to the Weekend Warriors Fishing Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review on your favorite listening platform so we can reach more anglers just like you. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for media updates and behind-the-scenes content.